Welcome to the Avoiding Divorce Podcast. My name is Steve and I want to welcome you to and thank you for listening to today's episode. Just a quick reminder, we do have a email address, avoidingdivorce at gmail.com. That's avoidingdivorce at gmail.com. Please feel free to email us. Let us know about your situation or if you have any comments or questions feel free to email them to that to that address and we will um, take that under consideration for future podcasts that's avoiding divorce at gmail.com and once again thanks for listening welcome to episode three of avoiding divorce i'm your host steve i want to welcome you to the avoiding Divorce Podcast, and a quick recap of what we talked about in Episode 1 and 2. In Episode 1, we uh, introduced you to the idea that your spouse may have already said to you that they want a divorce, and how you should react to that and some of the things that you should uh, be looking at doing. In Episode 2, we talked about whether or not you should say, I love you, how you should respond if your spouse says, I love you. And we also talked about how you should handle relationship discussions. And quickly to recap, on episode two, you should not be saying I love you to your spouse that has said they want a divorce. You can reciprocate if they say it first. And you should be avoiding relationship discussions at all costs and certainly not starting them yourself. I encourage you, if you have other questions about those topics, to go back and listen to Episode 2. Episode 3, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on what you should be doing now that you've heard the words, I want a divorce, or something similar. We're going to be looking at some practical things you uh, can start putting into place. Um, And if you remember from Episode 1, we said that You should be focusing on yourself, that you should be trying to recapture the life that you had before you were with your spouse, Um, that you should be using the time for self-improvement, and um, that you should be concentrating on being happy by yourself. And Today in the first segment, we're going to talk about recapturing that life that you had prior to being with your spouse. In the second segment, we'll talk a little bit about self-improvement and focusing on that. And then in a future podcast, we'll talk about the third part of that, and that is learning to be happy by yourself. Now, if you have read any other material from anti-divorce experts or or listened to any other anti-divorce experts, you've probably gotten a message from them that after you get the divorce bomb dropped on you, that you should be focusing on yourself. And a lot of times when people talk about those sorts of things um, in a theoretical way, it can leave you feeling kind of lost about what you should actually be doing. 
So I'd like to spend just a few minutes with you in segment one, talking about a specific area of focusing on yourself after the divorce bomb has been dropped. And that is recapturing the life that you had when you met your spouse. We talked a little bit of, briefly about this before, and that is when you first met your spouse, you had this whole other life that was separate and apart from your spouse. And in fact, that other life was probably a big part of what attracted your spouse to you. You had friends, you had activities, hobbies, things that you were involved in. And what happens a lot of times is once we start dating somebody and get serious about them and marry them and start a life with them, we kind of start letting some of that other stuff go. It's usually not a conscious decision that we make to say, you know, maybe I played basketball three nights a week and, and, and now I'm with this person and I'm not going to play basketball three nights a week. Or maybe you were part of a book club that met once or twice a week and once you got together with your spouse, you no longer uh, prioritized the book club meetings. We usually start to get a little bit more dependent on our significant other for the life that we're living. I think this is a natural thing. I'm not trying to say that this isn't the way it should be. But I think what happens oftentimes is a lot of, uh, a lot of spouses will allow that to begin to define them. They'll allow their relationship to become with their spouse to become who they are. And they really give up a big part of who they were prior to being with their spouse. It should be noted that this is something that can be particularly difficult for a spouse once they've gotten the divorce bomb dropped on them. Because their life and their world had really become centered around their marriage and around their spouse. If you have kids, especially around the family, and the idea that you're going to continue your life without this person can be devastating to think about. And so if you're relatively early in your situation um, after the divorce bomb has been dropped on you, you're probably struggling with these thoughts of moving on and being able to carry on without your spouse being such a big part of your life. But the fact of the matter is, is that at one point, you did live a life without your spouse. For most couples anyway, the majority of their life was not with their spouse. And so the idea that you can't have a life without your spouse being your spouse is not true. And it's something that you really need to kind of understand and kind of get a grasp on so that you can put everything into the proper perspective. When your spouse comes to you and says they no longer want to be married to you, it's a devastating thing. And all you can think about is the life that you've currently been living. But there's a whole life out there waiting for you. Some of the um, anti-divorce authors and 
uh, lecturers will use the idea that you should go out and get a life. I'm trying very carefully not to use that terminology because that suggests that you didn't have a life in your marriage, which you most certainly probably did. But the idea is the same. The idea is that you need to go back and recapture that person that you were that attracted your spouse to you originally and probably attracted other people to you as well. I know in my own situation, reconnecting with old friends, picking up old hobbies that I had, really helped me to get through that early part of my situation when things seem so desperate and, and, and it seems so dire. And if you're in that spot, the worst thing that you can do is sit and stew in your own juices. So my suggestion to you is to get busy, to reconnect with old friends, to pick up old hobbies, certainly uh, learn and grow, and we'll concentrate more on that in segment two. But you really don't want to be sitting around doing nothing. The other thing that I want to suggest to you is that you really try to focus on activities that take a lot of your attention. I know that in my situation, if I was just hanging out with a friend, then I still had a lot of headspace in order for me to sit and really dwell on my situation and what was going on with my spouse and what was going on in my marriage and what that meant. And the roller coaster ride of emotions that go along with that are real. One minute you feel confident that everything's going to be okay no matter what. The next minute you think that if your spouse goes through with the divorce, that your entire life is going to come to an end. And the fact of the matter is the truth is somewhere right in the middle. So finding activities that take a lot of your attention are really better than activities that still are not really taking up much of your headspace. Activities that take a lot of concentration and, and really focusing on that activity is something that I highly recommend. If you're not morally opposed to guns, then I would highly suggest going to the gun range. Something like that that takes all of your concentration to make sure that you're handling the gun safely, that you're loading it properly, that you're aiming properly. All of that is the type of activity that you want to find. And there are other activities other than just handling and shooting firearms that require that kind of attention. Those are the types of activities that you really want to start focusing on. Believe it or not, some left-behind spouses really find it beneficial to throw themselves into their work, whatever they do for a living. Now, unfortunately, the vast majority of us left-behind spouses saw our work suffer. 
personally, I work in an office, and during my sitch, my situation, I found it very difficult to concentrate on work. But when I could, when I was in a meeting and I was having to explain concepts and get a, convey ideas and get across viewpoints, when my head was filled with those activities, then I was able to forget my situation for those few minutes. So maybe throwing yourself into your job will help with this idea of doing things that require concentration. And of course, reading is, is so important, whether it's a, a book for entertainment purposes or whether it's a some type of book that you're learning something from. Reading can be one of those activities that really requires your total attention, your total thoughts, and really something that you have to focus on and concentrate on to get out of it what you're trying to, to read and get out of it. Now, a lot of left-behind spouses struggle with this. And there are tons of excuses that left-behind spouses can come up with for why they can't recapture the life that they had prior to being with their spouse. In talking with and working with left-behind spouses, one of the biggest ones I hear is financial. That I just can't afford to go out and enjoy the activities that I enjoyed when I was single. But a lot of these activities don't require a lot of money. We talked about reading. Most municipalities have a library that you can, as a, as a resident of that municipality, you can go borrow library books and read them for free. There are free support groups that you can get involved in, in most locales that will let you get your mind off of your situation for the time that you're involved in, in those groups. There's a lot of things that you can do, both that cost money and don't cost money. And what I often tell left behind spouses is that this is very important. This is a very important aspect of your situation in trying to um, stay occupied. Because one of the things it does is it, it keeps you from trying to spend too much time with your spouse who's already told you that they no longer want to spend time with you. And it's easy to come up with excuses of, as to why you can't. But I can tell you that the left-behind spouses that, that excel at what they need to do after the divorce bomb, they do this part very well. So I encourage you to stay busy, stay active, reconnect with old friends, pick up old activities, do whatever you need to do to stay busy. Remember, idle hands are the devil's playground. 
So keep yourself busy, keep your mind occupied, and really try to limit the amount of time that you're stewing on your situation. So that's the end of segment one. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the second part of what you should be doing after the divorce bomb, and that is concentrating on self-improvement. And so after this break, we'll delve into that subject. Welcome back to the Avoiding Divorce podcast. This is episode three, segment two, and we're going to be focusing on self-improvement and the types of activities and readings that you can do after your spouse has said that they want a divorce to help you become the best person that you can be. That's one of your goals at this point, is to become the best you that you can be. Some of the anti-divorce experts like to put it this way. You want to become a person that only a fool would divorce, that only a fool would leave. And so while your spouse has probably devastated you, shattered your world, and it left you questioning whether you're going to be okay, they've also, they've also done you a huge favor. And that is that they've given you an opportunity to step back and fix things about yourself. One of the things that we talked about, I believe in episode one, was that there's always plenty of blame to go along in the breakup, go around in a breakup of a marriage. Rarely is it one person's fault entirely. Rarely is it all the spouse that's leaving's fault, and rarely is it all the spouse that's being left behind's fault. And usually, it's a pretty close to a 50-50 split. Most left behind spouses can look back at their marriage and see where they were deficient in some way. And this is the vast majority of the situations that we're talking about. Obviously, there are some that were pretty good spouses and their walkaway spouse was just flawed some way. But in the majority of the cases, the left behind spouse can look at themselves and say, I could have been better in a lot of areas. I know for myself in my situation, I could say that. My spouse had quite a laundry list of complaints about me. And unfortunately, 95% of them were true. And so I had a huge opportunity to look at myself, look at myself as a husband and as a father, and really find areas that I could improve in. Now, if you're a person of faith, usually that's one of the first places that you can improve. I'm a Christian, and I could look at my life and realize that I was deficient in my Christianity. 
So one of the first things that I did was to recommit myself to my Christianity, to be, try to become the best Christian that I could be. And if you're a person of faith, that's an opportunity that you have as well. More than likely, you've allowed life to get in the way of your spiritual beliefs, and you could always be more committed to those beliefs. If you're a Christian, of course, then one of the best things that you can do for self-improvement is to recommit to the study of God's Word. Reading the Bible is one of the best activities that you can engage in. If you're a religious person who hasn't been attending religious services, then that's another area that you can really get a quick win in recommitting yourself to attending those services. Oftentimes, couples share their religious beliefs and they've both kind of slipped away. And it can be beneficial as you, have, as the left behind spouse, can recommit back to your religion. Sometimes the walkaway spouse will look at that and go, you know, I can do better there as well. Now, that may or may not save your marriage, but it's, I think we can all agree that recommitting to our spiritual beliefs is something that is a good thing and is something that we'd want our walkaway spouse to do, whether they stay with us or not. But what other activities should you be engaging in for self-improvement? Well, one of the things that I encourage left behind spouses to do is to really step back and take an honest look at their life and at, at who they are. Because we don't do that often enough. And when we've had the divorce bomb dropped on us, that's an opportunity for us to step back and take stock of who we are, who we've become, and where we need to improve. It can also be a very difficult thing. And I have seen a few left-behind spouses who just don't see their own poor behavior. Some of the behavior that we can be involved in is pretty in our face. Maybe we've been angry and bitter about something. Maybe we've been, we've been resentful. Maybe we've mistreated our spouse in some way. We haven't been the, the best father or mother that we could be as a spouse. And so we can take a step back and take stock and realize that there's some immediate changes that we can make. But maybe some of the areas that you're deficient in aren't as obvious. One of the big ones I see with left behind spouses is being codependent on their spouse. If you don't understand what codependence is, it's being overtly dependent on another person. You see, we live in an imperfect world. What we're dealing with here is a spouse that has told us that they want a divorce. But we also live in a world where there's accidents and disease. And there's no guarantee that anybody's life is going to last past the next minute. We can lose our spouse not only to divorce, but to a myriad of other things. 
where their life may come to an end or their life as we know it may come to an end. And so it's never a good thing to be so overly dependent on another human being that if that human being is removed from our life for whatever reason, that we can't go on healthy and happy without them. Now, I'm not saying that we should be glad that we're losing our spouse, that our spouse has come to us and said, I want a divorce. But we also shouldn't be so devastated that we just don't feel like that we can go on. And so maybe an area you can prove, improve in is to not be so dependent on this person for your own happiness. And we're going to, like I said in the first segment, we're going to spend an entire podcast in the future, an entire episode, discussing that concept. But if you are overly dependent on your spouse that is now walking away from your marriage, then that's a pretty clear indicator of an area that you can improve in right away. Maybe, as a man, you haven't been the best provider. Maybe you've been stuck in a dead-end job for years. Maybe you've been so unhappy with your vocation that you've been taking that out on your family. And it's one of the reasons your spouse gave you for wanting a divorce. Some people aren't going to like this, but men and women are biologically different. It's just a fact of life. And unless you, you know, are some type of woke, modern society um, thinking and, and putting a priority on changing the biological norms of, of male and female, more than likely, you're pretty traditional. If you're a woman, then you expect that your husband provide for the family. Now, you might also work, but it doesn't really work for a long-term strategy. And I've got lots of anecdotal evidence in my, my own life and in people that I know that the wife becomes the main breadwinner and the husband stays home. It can work. I'm not saying it can't. But there is a biological component to this that is in our DNA that says that a man, a husband, a father should be providing for his family. And when they don't, or they're not doing it well, then two things can happen. Number one, the wife can lose respect for her husband. Or number two, and probably even worse, is the husband can lose respect for himself. If you're a man and you've lost respect for yourself because of your station in life, then this is an opportunity to stop making excuses, to pick yourself up by your bootstrings, and become the husband and father that commands respect. We're going to talk about commanding respect in a future podcast because 
there's a big difference between demanding respect and commanding respect. So men, can you improve as a husband and father? Can you improve as a provider? Can you improve as an employee? Or can you actually work on getting yourself in a position where you can get a better job to provide for your family? And women, on the flip side, as a wife whose husband has now said, I want a divorce, can you look at your situation and say that you've been a good wife? And I'm trying very hard because I'm sure that not everybody listening to this podcast is religious to not use the word submissive. But do you allow your man your husband to lead because men are natural leaders and that's what they want to do. And so maybe for whatever reason, you've lost respect for your husband. That's something that you can improve on. You can't control him or his actions, but you certainly can bring him along by showing him respect for the man that he is. And most men respond positive, positively to that. The other thing that you should be doing, and these are these examples that I gave so far are just bad examples because I have no idea what your situation is and what areas you can improve in, but I can guarantee you that there's material on the internet in both written and video form and audio form like this podcast, and there's also books that will talk about that and help you with that. I can tell you, in the first three months of my situation, after my wife said she wanted a divorce, I was consuming three, four, five, maybe even six books a month. Become an avid learner in whatever form is your chosen form of distribution, whether it's video, whether it's audio, whether it's written. You should be reading and consuming as much material as you can on improving yourself in the areas that you need improvement. Because you see, we can all be better spouses. And it's very difficult to avoid a divorce once your spouse has decreed that if you don't try to improve in some way. I even go as far as to say, get yourself into independent counseling. If nothing else, that will send a message to your spouse that you're serious about trying to improve as a person and as a spouse. It's very difficult for even an obstinate spouse to not respond positively to positive changes that you make in your own life whether that's recommitting to religion, whether that's as a husband becoming a better provider, as a wife letting her husband lead, whatever the area is, once you start making positive changes, almost without fail, your spouse will respond positively to that. Now, I'm not making any guarantees here because obviously the name of this podcast is Avoiding Divorce. One of the things that I think 
I need to point out before we close this episode is nothing that we've talked about, whether it's recapturing that life that you had when you were single that attracted your spouse to begin with, or whether it's improving as a person, as a spouse, none of that guarantees that you're going to save your marriage. But what I will submit to you is that it can't hurt. It can't do any damage. It can't cause your spouse to be any uh, more willing to divorce you than they already are. So in the spirit of avoiding divorce, I encourage you, go out and recapture that person in that life that you were. Learn what you need to do to self-improve yourself. And as always, do everything you can to avoid divorce. Thank you for listening and talk to you next time.